This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Have you got all of your singing out of the way? I'm going to be honest, Jack. Yeah. Probably not. Oh, you know what I did this week, Tanner? What? Sarah and I and Cyril. Does it, is it get confusing because Sarah and Cyril are, are fairly... No. There's some assonance there? No. They, Cyril. Very different personalities. Hey, Cyril. No, it's not working. Hey, Sarah. Can you <laughs> grab me a beer? Yeah, that actually worked. If you do it with like a Maryland <laughs> accent... Pick up the phone. Hey, Cyril. <laughs> it could be either. But they have very different personalities. If you know them both, you can tell them apart. Um, here's what we did this week, Tanner. We went to our local parents group where a bunch of neighborhood parents complained together about the joys and miseries of new parenthood mm-hmm. and drink wine. Oh, wine moms. Wine moms. Yeah, I'm a wine mom now. Yeah. And during our most recent session of the new parents group, some of the parents said, wouldn't it be nice if we all got together and pooled our resources and looked after each other's children? Like a club for... Like a... Like a baby watchers club. Yeah. Like a club where you look after babies Uh together. That's a very smart idea. You know what you should do? Yeah. All of you should get together, mm, let's say three nights a week, maybe Mondays, Wednesday, Fridays after work, in like a, one of your guys' homes. Yep, at 5.30 on the dot. Maybe at like 5.30, like right after work, yeah. yeah. And just like give out your number, obviously, and then like be there ready to answer the phone if, if, in case other local parents want to get involved. Oh, shit. You know what I should have said to them? I want to be the fucking vice president because I have a phone in my room. You have a phone in your bedroom? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. A literal landline phone? No, it's my cell phone. That's why I keep it by my bedside table. <laughs> Tanner, I'm in a babysitter's club. You're in a babysitter's I'm club. I'm in a babysitter's club. Wow. How's it feel? It was bound to happen to one of us. It's good. It feels good. I feel more and more like a, a Wendy Loser every day. Yeah. Just like out here on my own, like lone wolf. Whew. I'm the real expert. Did you learn baby CPR? Uh, no. Do you have baby... Emergency defibrillators in your house? Yeah. What if your baby has a heart attack? I ho- I'm just really hoping that doesn't happen. I think it can happen to anyone at any time. We can make a new one. We're still young. What if you get in a train derailment accident? Ooh. Baby Nation. Baby Nation. What Tanner has brought up seems like a non-secretor, but in fact, it is a segue. That's yeah. right. It is a secretor. <laughs> it's a secretor. Sequitur is <laughs> Latin for to follow. Oh, interesting. Um, So it seems like it doesn't follow, but it does follow because a train derailment, Baby Nation, is the subject of this very book that we are reading. But before we get to that, what I would like to do is introduce the podcast, if that's all right with you, Tanner. It's also, Jack, if I may say. Apparently not. One second. Please hold. Oh, great. So if you may say, if you may literally Google something. Uh, Train derailment, Jack, Mm -hmm. is actually also the central plot of the horror manga Dragonhead by Mochizuki Minotaro. Okay, so... It's about, a tr- it's about a train that derails in a long tunnel during an earthquake, and both ends of the tunnel are sealed off. And it's about a boy trying to survive in this train wreck Okay, in so, this sealed tunnel. So it was a non-sequitur. No, no, no. It's related. It's thematically similar. I think it's, it's a spiritual sequel to this book. Okay. Or, wanna... or Anne and Nola uh, probably drew a lot of inspiration from this manga. Okay. I very much look forward to you weaving that uh, intertextuality into our conversation after we have introduced the podcast. I shan't. <laughs> okay, great. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 It's a club where we talk about uh, Anne and Martin, everybody. Uh, you love her. You know her. And M. Martin. Sorry, I wasn't actually near my mic, so I was probably not picking up. 
It's Anne M. Martin, ladies and gentlemen. It's a club where we talk about her books. This week, we are about to talk about a book that was called Welcome to the BSC Abbey. 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 Jack. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Okay. Last week, Mm -hmm. when I was in beautiful Humboldt County, California, Mm -hmm. you said at the end of the episode, uh, Christie's Dirty Diapers. Uh Uh-huh. Next week, we'll be reading some bullshit about Claudia and Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, I said, that. wow, I'm surprised there's not an Abbey, like a Welcome Abbey book. And you said, there's not. Mm-hmm. I am a certified genius, and I know everything, and there is not a Welcome Abbey book, and I am the smartest man in the world, and I am infallible. Is that a direct quote, or is that a I think mean so. parody? And then <laughs> I, intrepid young gumshoe reporter Tanner mm-hmm. Greenring, was looking through iBooks and noticed that iBooks has misnumbered Babysitter's Club number 90. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club, Abby. Don't actually know what it's called. Welcome to the BSC, Abby. Welcome to the BSC, Abby. Mm-hmm. They've put it right after Babysitter's Club number 9 and right before Babysitter's Club number 10. So are you going to write one of these like takedown pieces where you give me like three Pinocchios? Yeah, I'm going to give you three Pinocchios. <laughs> <laughs> um. You, Tanner, were so anxious to get to your takedown uh, that you glossed over the fact that we didn't, for the first time in a real long time, we just didn't do the intro. What intro? You know how we introduce a show normally? A lot of epithets no, for Anne. I did. I did. First Club. of her name. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenberg. <laughs> I'll take it. Um... Yeah, Baby Nation, have I ever got egg on my face? And I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for this dastardly gumshoe reporter, investigative (laughs) reporter, Tanner Daniel Greenring, who tracked me down, who fact-checked me. And in fact, what we read this week was not Claudia and the Great Thanksgiving. It was Welcome to the BSC Abbey. So what do you want? What do you want me to do? Printer fucking retraction? Um, I want you to fall on your knees before me and Baby Nation. Okay. I want you to remove the short katana from the sash that you wear it around your belt with. And I want you to stick it into your belly, twist it, and wrench it to the left violently. Okay. And commit seppuku before us. Okay. Because you have embarrassed and dishonored yourself have i let you down for the last time yes i don't think that's going to play on an audio medium tanner it's a very visual experience that you have described but but vital (laughs) for the continued integrity of this podcast yes baby nation it is with great regret that i announce today that i am stepping down from my position as America's favorite, second favorite, Babysitter's Club critic and expert. Talking about the Babysitter's Club over the last year has been the happiest moments of my life. And You're also stepping down from life because you are prepared to commit seppuku on this very program. I would like, first of all, to apologize to my family, yeah, um, to my wife, Sarah, and to my son, Cyril. I'm sorry I never got to know you better. I have a question about Cyril in regards to your impending um, demise. I noticed that I haven't heard anything about being Cyril's godfather yet. So when you do die, I trust that I'm expected to watch after him and Sarah. And make sure that he is educated in the ways of God? The Ronin. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) Good. Well, here we are, Baby Nation, much like Abby Stevenson's mom... In this book, Off the Fucking Rails. Nice. <laughs> Much like Minitaro Mochizuki's Dragonhead manga. <laughs> Off the rails again. Off the rails. Despite a valiant effort by <laughs> your host, Jack Shepard, to get us back on the rails, here we are talking about a manga. Tanner, <laughs> what I want to do uh, to give Baby Nation context for the scintillating and exciting train derailment that happens in this book is to describe the rest of this book. You just want to get into it, man? You haven't even done the epithets. 
I to- we just talked about it. You had your chance to ask me why I wasn't doing the epithets, but instead you jumped at the opportunity to stab your knife in my back about making a simple fucking mistake about which book we were reading. And I'm sorry. But here we are. Actually, belly, when you commit seppuku, you do it right in the gut. Fine. Well, no one's going to know because it's an audio medium. Tanner, what I want to do is personally describe this book, and then I would like for you to describe this book. I consent. Oh, thank Christ. Okay, here we go. I'm going to describe this book, Baby Nation. Sorry we haven't talked about it much yet, and we've been recording for quite some time, but I hope to correct that because this was a very interesting book in that it introduced a new babysitter into the fold. Who? Abby. We just got Abby last week. I know. There's another new one? Well, she. we get her POV. It's big. Do you remember when it used to be like a big fucking deal and we would get a new POV? We fucking freaked out yeah. about Dawn. We freaked out about Jesse. I'm freaking out about Abby. No, I love Abby, and I love that she got a POV, and I was worried that she wouldn't have the opportunity to, and I was angry that you had denied her that privilege Yeah, last week when you so erroneously said that she does not have a POV book. We don't need to dwell on it, but I'm glad that she does. We're going to dig into it. Abby Stevenson, my favorite babysitter, finally gets her much-deserved point of view. And Jack. And Tanner. You know I ain't no... Nola Thack girl. I ain't no Nola Thack girl. Few times been around that. I don't know the lyrics. You do. Few times I've been around that track. Uh, I ain't no Nola Thack girl. <laughs> Few times I've been around that track with my good friend Tanner and my, my good, good friend, friend Jack. Because I ain't no Nola Thack girl. I ain't no Nola Thack girl. That's right, <laughs> baby nation. I am having this week a thack attack. Um, what was the other one we say now? Man, you say we, but it's really just me, isn't it? And you know why, Baby Nation? It's because this week, Nola Thacker hit another Nolan one. Nolan one. <laughs> it's a Nolan one, Baby Nation. All right, without any further interruptions, Tanner, I'm going to describe this book. Jack is a fart. <laughs> Great. Great. You want me to keep that in? Keep that in the edit? I think out of the two of us, you're the one who's going to come out looking juvenile and uh, unprofessional. So do you want to retract it? Shut up, fart. (laughs) Great. Great. (sighs) I'm going to describe this book now. When she was nine years old, Abby Stevenson's father was mowed down by a truck in a senseless accident in New York. Four years later, her family has relocated to Connecticut to start over, safe in a new town with an old box of their father's keepsakes and belongings, and new hopes that they could fill the dark void left in their lives by his passing. But as Abby and her sister try to make the best of things by joining a local group known as the BSC, the Stevensons' run of bad luck is far from over. First, a child that Abby is babysitting is almost run down by a car, Then, Abby herself collapses and is rushed to the hospital. And when Abby's mother is trapped in a tunnel after a mysterious train derailment, the family's frequent brushes with death start to seem more and more alarming. Did Jonathan Stevenson know something that someone wanted kept a secret? Might the answers be somewhere in that dusty box they have in the attic? Or is it all just a series of unlucky coincidences? Welcome to the BSC, Abby. Abby. Um, John. Here, can I say something? Is a name. Can I say something? Yeah. I just need to get this out. I realized that um, I started that description off with a misplaced antecedent. <laughs> you and it's driving me up the fucking wall. Oh my god! Yeah, the seppuku <laughs> wall of evidence is just building and building. I like. I almost couldn't get through it. I read that first sentence and I was like, "Uh oh." I think I that's can't believe a... you. You misplace an amp antecedent. Antecedent. I can't believe it. God, that's gonna sting. That stings. There's no. There's yeah, no. Do you want to? Do you want to re-record it? Uh, yeah. Let's go take another run at it. Okay. Um, when Abby Stevenson was nine years old, her father was mowed down by a truck in a 
a senseless accident in New York. All right, that's good. Got it. Got it. We'll just go and patch that up. We'll just patch Definitely it Definitely caught the difference between the two statements. Yeah. Okay, dodged a bullet Abby there. Stevenson's father were mowed down. <laughs> no. What were you going to tell me? Jonathan. Jonathan Stevenson. You want to talk John. about John. Yeah. John is a name of power. Yeah. John Pike. In the Babysitter's Club universe. John Pike. John, yeah. the mysterious John in uh, Jesse and the Superb Jesse Rat. The Superb Rat. Yeah. Right. His name was John, I it's, believe. It's a name of power. It's a name of mystery. And now we have a new John who's sort of on the edges of everyone's consciousness. Died under mysterious circumstances. And we know that John attended 1969 Woodstock, not to be confused with the other Woodstock. Which is referenced uh, in this text. Mrs. Stevenson references uh, what's the new Woodstock. Too. Yeah, right? I wonder what John would have thought of that, she said, in a s- yeah. subtle burn of the week on Limp Bizkit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Limp Bizkit. He doesn't need your shit, Mrs. Stevenson. But what did John know? How did he die? Who was driving that truck? Right. Yes, exactly. These are the questions that this book leaves unanswered. Um, we know that Mrs. Stevenson, willingly or unwillingly, is a high up at Scholastic Publishing in New York. Yes, uh, confirmed. Where she commutes from New York City to Stony Brook, Connecticut. From New York City every to day. Stony Brook. Well, in fact, yeah, even on weekends. Why would you, if you were Scholastic, post someone suddenly in Stony Brook? Well, that's obvious. And I had thought that she was a, a willing agent of the scholastic lawyers until this book where we've learned a lot of things about what's happened to her family in the past and also what is still happening to them, the risks that they still face. Right. Um, the people who are still trying to take them out via train derailments. Right. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack there. Should we unpack it after I do my intro? Because I feel like if we don't get it out of the way, we're just going to be sitting here. We're going to be anxious about it. Oh, yeah. Well, Jenkins is, is messing with the curtain behind you. Yeah, Jenkins is being a sweet boy. Here's what I'm going to do, Tanner. I'm going to throw 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I have here. Uh, and nice. During you those get a full 60 this week. Yeah, huh? full 60 this week. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to give the Baby Nation a taste of what the fuck happened in this book. All they know right now is that there was a train derailment. Taste how much I care. Okay. <laughs> My friend Jim. Okay. You know Jim. I know Jim. Do you know Jim? I do know Jim. He used to work at a grocery store in Colorado called King Supers. Okay. And they had these ads that would run over the loudspeakers all day. I mean, most of the time they would play music, but every now and then they would play this ad. And when you work at King Supers, you hear it like 10 times an hour. And at that time, King Supers' slogan was, King Supers, taste how much we care. (laughs) But Jim turned it into uh, an insult and would say it to us all the time. Taste how much I care. Taste how much I care. (laughs) That's good. I'm going to start using that. Um... Ooh, we got a new catchphrase in this book uh, that Abby says that I can use to uh, get you back onto topic, telling us what the fuck happened in this book. Yeah. Hey, Tanner, what's the gory story? What's the gory story? What's the gory story? Uh, the, here's here's my impression of Mallory. Duh, there's no gore in this. Yeah. <laughs> the Babysitter's Club has a hard time keeping up with Abby's razor sharp wit. They cannot handle Abby's razor sharp wit. What's the gory story? Tanner, 60 seconds. Describe the book. Starting now. Ah, uh, geez, Louise. Um, there's a new babysitter in town, Baby Nation. Her name is Abby Stevenson. She has a twin sister called Anna Stevenson. She is into sports. She has asthma and allergies. She gets her first big gig. Um... Babysitting for the Papadakises, she goes over, uh, she's playing basketball with them, she has an asthma attack, uh, Hanny thinks that she's dying and panics and runs to Christy Thomas's house, she sees Hanny running in the street and panics more and goes into full-blown panic attack mode, has to go to the hospital, has to get an EpiPen shot, Christy is doubtful about whether Abby is up for the task, um, also, Sunnybrook Middle School is cutting their arts program, so the Babysitter Club decides to band together to f- throw a carnival um, with like fucking like rides and everything that all ex- all expense paid by Millionaire Watson Brewer. 
Um, they do it. It's a lot of fun. Um, Abby proves that she's a great babysitter. Christy tr- learns to trust her again. And time. Uh, that's it. You did not mention the train derailment. Mm. Uh, there's a train derailment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did a very good job, but you didn't mention the train derailment. A train. Okay. Uh, let me just really hit it real quick. Okay. A train full of students derails in a tunnel during an earthquake. A few young survivors need to maintain their sanity as they find a way out, away from the wrecked train, filled with the rotting remains of their classmates, but the world they're trying to make their way back into is not the same one that they left behind. There, now I've hit the um, the train derailment. Okay, good. You nailed it. You're certain that that was in this book? I think so. Okay. The book we read was Dragonhead by <laughs> Mochizuki ah. Minotaro, right? Uh, no, the book we read was Welcome to the BSC, Abby. Um... Obviously, a lot of resonance between those two important cultural artifacts, but for the sake of the integrity of this podcast, we should say that what you have described did not happen in this novel. What did happen in this novel was that Abby, who has already lost one parent to a vehicular disaster, almost lost another. Um, but she survives by the skin of her teeth. Um, yeah, a lot of leaf peepers died in the process. A lot of leaf peepers died. Yeah, a lot of leaf peepers needed to be sacrificed to save Mrs. Stevenson. Yeah, first name not given. Yeah, the train was full. We learned from the Stony Brook news because leaf peeping season. A lot of people were taking the old train from uh, uh, New York Grand Central to Stony Brook terminus uh, to peep some fucking leaves. And boy, yeah. What they peeped, Tanner, was not leaves, but it was their own untimely deaths. Yeah. Well, well put. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Tanner, let me ask you a question. Do you remember from the text what time the train that Abby Stevenson's mom was on was? Like 1230 or something? Tanner, the time of the train that Abby Stevenson's mom and a bunch of ill-fated leaf peepers took from Grand Central to Stony Brook was the 12.45. Okay. That's not notable. What do you mean? That's not a notable time uh, to take a train. Tanner, let me read you something. In fact, the 12.45 train on like a Saturday, like, what did she, like, she went into the office for an hour? Like, she took the... 8 a.m. train. It took two hours to get in. She was there f- from like 10 to 11 and then left to catch the 12.45 She's just train. getting her fucking marching orders. She's getting her fucking marching orders from the... Like, why bother going in? Those fucking M- MTA tickets are not cheap. Or Metro North tickets. I don't think that Mrs. Stevenson has any choice. She's a puppet who is being hurled around at the whims of the fucking scholastic lawyers. But that's not what I want to talk about. Tanner, I want to talk to you about the 1245 train. I cannot believe this is not ringing any bells for you. 1245, Tanner? 1245. (sighs) 1245. Can I read you something? Jog your memory. December 4th, 1905. Nope. Okay. Let me read you something. Okay. This is from the Bible, Tanner. I've heard of it. Matthew 1245. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Seven wicked spirits? Here is what this passage is saying, Tanner. Matthew twelve forty five. When a demon is cast out from a man, mm-hmm. the man hangs out and relaxes and is like, wow, that sucked. Now I'm back to normal. Right. Meanwhile, the demon goes back into hell and brings back with him seven spirits. Whose spirits? Seven further demons to infest the man again. And therein we shall have a wicked generation. Tanner, it is my belief that, as you know, the demons have plagued the Babysitter's Club for many months now. 
Uh-huh. First, we had the efforts of Logan Bruno, the Lightbringer, and then later uh, the efforts of Robert Brewster, aka Brew Doggy, aka the Blinding Light, uh, and they <laughs> they tried their best to get rid of first of Marianne and then of Stacy. Uh-huh. Uh, but now the seven babysitters are one again, thanks to Abby, the arrival of Abby. Right. So the demons have been cast out. But they're going to come back as strong yeah. to combat our seven babysitters. Yeah. As there are seven sitters, so must there be seven demons, and the one who has been cast out will return sevenfold to besiege the newly clean body of the BSC again. And it shall be a wicked generation. And it shall be a wicked generation. Wicked. Wicked. Generation. No, I don't think it's, it's wicked a... like cool, like distant. No, no, no. It's like a, it's a funny, um, the wickedly talented Adele Dazim. Do you remember that old meme? Uh, no, I don't think, I've, I feel like. John Travolta was uh, yep. introducing. Got it. Got it, I remember it. The lady from Frozen mm-hmm. and called her the wickedly talented Adele Dazim. Good, great. This has been another one of our hit segments, old memes, old memes that no one cares about anymore, starring Tanner Greenring only. <laughs> wickedly talented. Wickedly talented. Adele Dazim. And that, that's been your meme of the week, Baby Nation. Uh, what were we talking about? Kind of got disrailed there. Where do they oh. fucking strike first, Tanner? They strike where the Babysitter's Club is weakest. The new member, Abby, Abby, who, despite her, she's asthmatic. Her wit and her charm and her humor and her intelligence is weak. She's like a leper. She's plagued with illness, and that's where they're going to come after her. Logan failed. Then Brudagi almost succeeded. He got Stacy out, but he failed. Now the seven are as strong as they've ever been. We you cut out the cancer that was Dawn Schaefer, and you have a, a brand new babysitter that is abby stevenson but the threat is not over. you know what else the bible says though Jack? what else does the bible say tanner i don't the does the bible say the weak shall inherit the earth is that anything i think it's the meek maybe abby is for what it's worth the meek yeah right um the meek shall inherit the earth yeah abby stevenson abby stevenson um so there's something to hope for can i um while we're talking about abby mm-hmm. the meek who shall inherit this earth mm-hmm. can i bring up a new segment we have Yes, please. I don't know how we introduce it yet. Uh, I suspect we do the Seinfeld theme song, yep. which is now playing, and then we just say, um, Abby's tight 20. It's our hottest new segment. Abby's tight 20. Good. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal with Abby's tight 20 this week, Tanner? Abby has a lot of good, great riffs and jokes this week. Yeah. She came right out of the gate doing some very, very good situational comedy. Right. We should describe um, Baby Nation. Abby is a bit of a comedian in the world of comedy, professional comedy. Mm-hmm. Stand-ups develop what they call a tight 20, mm-hmm. which is a 20-minute act. Yeah. Which is tight. Tanner and I have a tight 20, uh, but unlike a lot of professional comedians, we do our tight 20 in the course of an hour. Well, we do it in the course of an hour and a half, and we edit it yeah. down to an hour. It's spread throughout <laughs> an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I trust you captured some good Abby moments this week, but I love this little back and forth she had with the Babysitter's Club when they were trying to hone in on the idea for the carnival yeah. to save the arts. Crafts, Claudia said thoughtfully, pulling on her handmade paper mache earrings. We could ask all our families to have booths, said Jessie. With a smile, Marianne held up the record book. Not only that, she added, but we have a list of people who have children, the perfect people for getting involved in a fundraising carnival to support the local arts program. We are there, I exclaimed. Write me down. I can see it now. A big banner. Maybe some lights. Don't be heartless and leave us heartless. (laughs) Very fucking good. It took a minute, but everyone broke up. Fabulous club, fabulous audience, <laughs> fabulous. I love that it always takes... It takes everyone a minute. A little bit for everyone to kind of get their heads around Abby. They're not used to a cut-up like Abby. This book opens, Tanner, with part of Abby's Type 20, a Type 5 that she does, waiting for the school bus with Kristen Amanda Thomas, uh, the president of the BSC. Yep. Here's what Abby says to Christy. First page of the book. 
I'm going to name that thing that just departed that the Stony Brook school system calls a bus. I continued. Seriously, I'm calling it the Wheeze Wagon. <laughs> that brought the grin back to Christy's face. So I heard, she said. I was on a roll. Easy, easy pun. Oh, yeah, but that's, how, that's just how she gets the audience warmed up. Yeah. Start with a pun, you get them interested. I was on a roll. This bus gets to the garage and it says to the other buses, I've got such a headache, I'm allergic to the roads. And what do they make me do all day? Roads, roads, roads. I wanted to be a boat, but does anyone listen to me? It's like Rodney Dangerfield up there. <laughs> What's the deal with school buses? <laughs> I ain't getting no respect. <laughs> Very good. Abby, you're fucking killing it. Never change, Abby. Um, also, Abby is gunning for Christy this week. They're both mother hens. Right. And they're kind of dancing around one another. They don't know quite how to act with one another. She has a scene at the end of this book where... This is like maybe part of her tight 20, but she comes in and introduces the club like she's Christy. Yeah, and Christy hated it. And Christy fucking hated it. Right. Like Abby was like, all right, everybody to order, order. Like kind of making fun of Christy. Everybody's like laughing. Christy's kind of furious. Abby, you're not allowed to do that. You're new in the club. Christy is the fucking president. She tolerates no humor. She tolerates no humor, but they're both like alpha personalities. And I think that's going to be a point of tension. Um, And I look forward to that. I mean, like Abby and Christy, best babysitters. Are we agreed on that? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Now that Dawn's gone? Yeah. Absolutely. So that's going to be interesting to see whether Abby can keep it together and be willing. Like, what's her role? Is she going to be chief alternate officer now? I guess she's going to have to be. Right? She doesn't have an official role. I assume so. But you know what the thing is about Chief Alternate I think officer. actually Christy does offer Abby and Anna the roles of co-chief alternate officer in last week's book. Okay, well. And then Anna obviously politely declines the offer. Right, yeah. Anna's out. And as we know, we've talked about this, Chief Alternate Officer is the most important job at the Babysitter's Club. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful. And at any company. If you're CAO... Right. Right? Like the role for new baby bees, the role of chief alternate officer, which used to be held by Don Schaefer, um, and was briefly held by Shannon Kilborn during Don's apostasy in California. The role is that you have every role. Right. Like you can do is there like a D and D version of this? Like you have the powers of every different member. Well, it's like a divergent. Right. Right, it's like Divergent. That's exactly right. Divergent is a series of YA novels, Baby Nation. From about um, five years ago yep. that no one probably remembers anymore. Yeah, good. Very good topical reference. Um, right. Published by... Published by... Scholastic. Those jackals. Can you believe wow. it? Wow. They got us again. So, so if you're CAO, you're Divergent. You have all the powers. You have the power of the VP, which means you have a phone in your room. You have the power. You have a phone in your room. Yeah, you have a phone in your room. You have the power of the treasurer, which means that you like can do basic math. You have the power of the secretary. You can write in a book. You have the power of the president. You can lead. But the thing is, if Christie's ever sick one fucking day, that means that Abby is president. And she can declare herself president for life. Right. It's like rubbing on a magical lamp and a genie pops out. And it's like, you can have three wishes. And it's like, I wish for infinite wishes. And the genie's like, you can't do that. It's against the rules. And you're like, okay, well, I wish that I could wish for infinite wishes. Oh, that's very good. And the genie's like, oh, shit. Yeah. There's no precedent for this. There's no fucking precedent for this. CAO. So Abby is a force to be reckoned with. You know what else I love about Abby? Yeah. Just while we're on the topic? Mm-hmm. Stacy, Claudia's best friend, is the treasurer of the BSC because she is a math whiz. She's from New York and most of the time looks as if she were a model who stepped off a fashion designer's runway. She's from New York City originally, and probably the other members of the BSC think she is the most sophisticated of them. True, she is, at least in the way she dresses and views the world. But from what I've scoped out, she makes some pretty unsophisticated choices. For instance... Recently, she almost quit the BSC altogether because she was hanging out with a way cool crowd. I love that Abby hates Stacy. Yeah, no, it's the first sign that she has an unimpeachable moral character. Right. It takes a lot of moral courage to stand up to the Stacys of this world. And Abby is doing it right out of the gate. I like that a lot. 
Um, there is, Tanner, a slightly more sinister side of Abby that I'd like to draw your attention to and I would particularly like to get your reaction to uh, because it reminded me, Tanner, of a popular comic book villain. Huh. Um, I'm interested. I thought you might be. Obviously. Let me read you this passage and tell me if it reminds you of any popular comic book villains. This is Abby talking about the death of her father. Her father was uh, a very funny man and used to laugh uh, and joke with the family. And Abby, I think, probably got a lot of her sense of humor from her interactions with her dad. But after her dad died, she had trouble seeing the lighter side of life. As did everyone in the Stevenson family. As did everyone in the Stevenson family. Anna lost her her love of music. Um, Mrs. Stevenson lost her love of humanity. Yeah. And Abby lost her love of comedy. Um, The light went out of their lives. And then, one day, says Abby, at school, I started laughing at this really dumb joke that my best friend was telling, and I suddenly remembered how my dad used to laugh all the time. I laughed harder and harder and harder, and I couldn't stop. I couldn't even stop when class began. I had to run to the bathroom. The next thing I knew, I was sitting in the bathroom stall laughing and crying and wheezing and trying not to throw up at the same time. After that, I went home from school, just walked out. I told Mom and Anna I'd gotten really sick, and I stayed home from school for a few days. Although my sense of humor wasn't ever quite the way it was when my father was alive, it felt okay to laugh again. Laughing, I could remember my dad and think he might be laughing, too. Gosh. Obviously, Jack. Yeah? You were describing the Batman villain... Calendar Man. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> right? What? There's, she mentions days. Uh-huh. She kind of mentions units of time a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, days. I, I stayed home from school for a few days. Days, right. What does Calendar Man do? He's a kind of campy 60s Batman villain who does calendar-based crime. From the Silver Age. Yeah. Tanner, I was talking about the Joker. Joker? Joker. Are you saying choker or joker? Joker. That doesn't sound very that doesn't sound very menacing. Fucking Are you saying do you mean choker? Fucking casual. The Joker is a This is a must be a fairly obscure villain because <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. Are you saying choker? I don't I don't know what I need to do to get your attention and approval, Tanner. I want <laughs> What do I gotta do? What do I got to do? Now, which Joker are we talking about here? Killing Joker. Are we talking joke. about Heath Ledger Joker? Killing are we joke. talking about Scott Snyder's Joker? Okay, we're talking about like 80s weird, like sort of Alan Moore era. Can't stop laughing. Homicidal, chaotic evil, no rhyme or reason, just pure chaotic destruction. Right. You think Abby Stevenson is that? I'm just looking in the text. That's what I saw. You think Abby Stevenson is going to hunt down Commissioner Gordon's young daughter, Barbara Gordon, <laughs> shoot her in the spine, paralyzing her forever, and take lewd photos of her as she bleeds out and send them to her father just to create chaos in the world? It's possible. What's the next Abby book called? Abby Becomes the Oracle. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hope that's a Pete Larangis one. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's an Alan Moore one. (laughs) Something to look out for. Tanner, let me ask you one other thing about Abby, uh, B. Uh, B or A, B. A, B. Did you notice the passage this week when Abby first has her asthma attack? Um... On Long Island, I used to have to wear one of those masks sometimes when I played sports in the spring, when the pollen count or the pollution index was high. Huh. What a lovely little turn by Nola Thacker and Am this week to introduce a character called A.B., who is allergic to pollen. Right. <laughs> That's got to be tough for a bee. It's got to be tough for a bee. 
to be allergic to pollen, it's like your your sole reason for existing. It fits with what we were saying before, too. She does this like fun, tight 20 stuff, but she also has this side of her that is more like the Joker, that is more sinister. Right. Right? Like she's a bee, but she's allergic to pollen. She has good in her, but she also She's also evil. racked by insecurity. Oh, yeah. Like she, she does this like self-deprecating humor, but she's constantly going on about how like insecure she is. Yeah. And she's obsessed with sports, but also debilitated by this horrible asthma. She is a creature of contradictions. And we know this because Abby begins this book by talking about tutus. Tutu. Which is a Karen Brewer concept. It's a term of art. It's a term of art. In the ballet community. Karen is a tutu because she lives in two houses. Everyone in the BSC is a tutu because they're a series of three best friends, Jesse and Mallory, Marianne and Christy, and Claudia and Stacy. But where does that leave Abby? I think that's the question that Nola and Anne are asking us. Abby, in some ways, is the key, like the missing piece of the puzzle that completes the club. But she is also explicitly, from the opening of this book, the odd one out. The one that's missing, the one that doesn't have another half. And I think that introduces a level of chaos and instability into this club. Yeah, it's very interesting. It creates a lot of fun conflict. What a rich character. She loves babysitting, but she can't because she's at a moment's notice could collapse into like a catatonic state. Well, and she is a babysitter, Tanner. But think about what her name is an anagram for. Oh, my God. You kidding me, Anne? You kidding me, Nola? <laughs> you fucking kidding me? Talk about... Baby? We thought that the one who was foretold was Mallory, right? The sat who became the sitter. But Abby is the baby who became the sitter. <sighs> wow. She, like, skipped a generation. She skipped a fucking generation. She's always been a baby and always will be a baby because it's in her name. It's who she is. It's part of who she is. But she's also one of the most important sitters ever to walk the earth. Well, and think about this. Anna... Yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm thinking about it. Which I think is like a thing that babies call bananas. <laughs> or their grandmothers. Or their grandma. That's that's a, that's pretty, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, it could also be two indefinite articles together. Anne, Anne. Anne, Anne. Anne. Oh, my God. Anne. Uh, Anne. Uh, Anne? Uh, Anne. Uh, <laughs> so you're telling me we have baby and uh and <laughs> i am telling you that tanner it's all in the fucking text Woo. tanner let me ask you a question okay can i go to the bathroom and get a beer please yes thank you okay you say goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> fine <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company. Better help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store, so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly. Um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. 
If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bedfellows. Mm. God must have spent a little more time on beer. No more singing. Hey, Tanner, let me ask you a question. We're back. Let me ask you a question. Now that I'm back in the atmosphere with drops of Jupiter in no. her head. No. Let me ask you a question. I told you, you said no more singing. Let me ask you a question. Tell me. No. Did the wind sweep you off your feet? Nobody wants to hear you sing. They would listen to Spotify or something if they wanted to hear singing. Let me ask you a question. Did you dance along the light of day? (sighs) Nobody wants to hear you sing, and nobody in particular wants to hear you sing Train, dude. Train is a good band. Okay, well, let's not talk about it. I want to ask you a question about this book. Fine, I don't Ta- care. Ask me the damn question. Here's the for question. Take dragging your feet. Here's my fucking question. Did you this week have a? <gasps> yes. Good. What was it? Hey, is this meeting coming to order or what? I asked, cramming a handful of potato chips in my mouth. Since the cupcake weekend, I'd sworn off sweets, at least for a while, but not junk food. Christy, who was lowering herself into the director's chair of Claudia's room, gave me an outraged look. What's the matter, Christy? Getting a little behind in the job? I asked. I pointed to the seat of the chair, which had just connected with the seat of her jeans, and burst out laughing at my own humor. Christy's mouth dropped, then Marianne (laughs) snorted, and a spray of potato chips flew out of her mouth. I didn't get I didn't get that until just now. She's saying that Christy has a little behind. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got a small ass, Christy. <laughs> this is like her first meeting. Her first fucking meeting at the BSC. And she's, she's already like, insulting Christy's small ass. <laughs> Christy is the smallest girl in the eighth grade. Maybe that's what that means whenever they say it in chapter two. She's the smallest girl in the eighth grade. She's got a little behind. Getting a little behind in the job. (laughs) You got no ass, Christy. (laughs) And all of the BSC fucking laughs at it. Christy doesn't know what to do. And then even Jesse starts riffing on it. (laughs) It's okay, said Jesse. We all get a little behind. That set us off again until the phone rang. (laughs) Fucking killer. Abby. Abby Stevenson. A lot of good butt humor. Uh, butt humor. Finally. That's like when you called me a fart earlier. <laughs> You're keeping that in now, huh? Same level of quality. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love butt jokes. You love butt jokes. You love fart jokes. I do. I really do. Baby T- Nation, yeah. Jack loves scatological humor. If you uh-huh. really want to ring his bell, yeah. send him your best poop, fart, or butt joke. Okay, that's not staying in. Um... <laughs> Tanner, do you want to hear my bird of the week? Yeah, I do. Okay. The soda booth guy had just handed me my soda and my change when a voice on the radio behind him said, We interrupt this program for an important announcement. I didn't pay much attention. News people are always getting hysterical about things such as presidential hairdos. <laughs> burn on the mainstream media. <laughs> burn In on the fucking lamestream media. <laughs> Burn on the dishonest media. Ooh, fake news. Oh, fake news. <laughs> uh, the real burn, though, is on Abby Stevenson herself because the announcer on the radio is not, in fact, announcing uh, some superficial, ephemeral bullshit about presidential hairdos. But what he is announcing is the fact that her mom has died in a terrible train derailment. The near death of her the near death and a. A group of Japanese teens. Yeah, and a bunch of fucking leaf peepers who peeped their last leaf. Yeah, which, as we know, yeah, was flipped into the beautiful manga. Yeah, Dragon's Head by Mochizuki 
Minotaro. Can you imagine imagine this scenario? You're mm-hmm. a Japanese tourist in New York, uh-huh. and you decide that with your last day before you fly back from JFK to Tokyo, you're going to get on a train and go to Stony Brook, Connecticut for some lovely- You just pick a town. You're like- this will be a nice train ride. Yeah. We'll, we'll peep some leaves. We'll peep some fucking leaves. It's the fall. It's going to be beautiful. I've heard the foliage is wonderful. Right. Uh, in the fall uh, in Connecticut. So we're just going to get on a train. We're going to peep some fucking leaves. We're going to take some pictures and we'll show that to our families back home. Uh, and you are fairly confident that everything is going to be okay because you know that you are in the uh, relatively benign Babysitter's Club universe where, you know, there there's some weird shit on the peripheries, but mostly it's just about sitting babies. Right. And then your fucking train crashes and you wake up in a terrifying Japanese manga called Dragon Head. Right. By Mochizuki Minotaro. With the rotting corpses of your fellow leaf peepers all around you as you walk out of the train into a new nightmare world. That's a fucking shitty thing for Anna Nola to do to these bystanders. While we're talking about nightmare scenarios, I want to talk about the VHS water demon, Drusilla Porter. Oh, yeah. Slash yeah. Destiny. And her frightening fortunes yeah. this week. Yeah, terrifying. Baby Nation, if, if you missed the last episode, we were introduced to uh, a new character in the BSC universe called Drusilla Destiny, who is the granddaughter of known witch right. Morbid of Destiny. And this week she's still around. Yeah. And she, so the Cormans, mm-hmm. Bill and Melody and Leaf, or whatever their dub names are, are all setting up their booth for the carnival. And they mm-hmm. have decided that they will be fortune tellers. And Christy is over yeah. um, helping them write fortunes that they are writing on pieces of paper and rolling up and putting in bottles that they will sell for 50 cents. They do some very funny fortunes. Christy writes one that I thought was very good that is called, You Will Find the Missing yeah, it's Sock. Good. It's like, we should maybe do a segment called Christy's Tight 20, because that's a very yeah. funny joke very, very in 1996. Funny, yeah. um, as they're sitting here writing the fortunes, these these sort of light, topical, funny, relatable fortunes, um, Drusilla Destiny walks in and says... I'll help you make fortunes. And Christy's like, great. Do you have access to any kind of other planes of existence filled with nightmarish visions? And Drusilla says, yes. 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 Um, And then she begins writing some fortunes. And the first one that she just kind of summons from nowhere is... Beware the cold. Cold. Snows of winter. Oh, that's a good one, (laughs) says Melody Corman, (laughs) who had just written a fortune that was like, you will get lots of uh, Christmas presents this year. Oh, (laughs) that's what Drusilla Destiny brings to the the fortune telling (laughs) session. Pretty terrifying and a reminder that all is not well, even though the the seven for now are one and the demons have been expelled from the club because the cold, cold snows of winter are coming. <laughs> and Drusilla Destiny sees it and Abby's mother, Mrs. Stevenson, sees it coming as well because there is a very clear shot across the bow as she tries to escape uh, Scholastic Headquarters in New York, and her fucking train is derailed, and she's caught in a tunnel. Right. Well, and and Abby directly references the coming of the Cenobites as well. Um, that's a Hellraiser reference, Baby Nation? Yeah. Hellraiser is a series of movies. Right, you, you do the um, Lament configuration, which is a right. puzzle box, right. and it summons the Cenobites mm-hmm. of the world who introduce you to a world of pain and pleasure like you've never known before. Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Right, and it's very, very closely tied up with the Babysitter's Club canon, um, although we haven't talked about it in a number of episodes. Uh, Do you you care to read that reference, Tanner? I didn't catch it. Uh, It was a great afternoon, and we were all having fun. Claudia was the pinhead. (laughs) <laughs> that's a joke get it the boss of all the pin makers meanwhile sam and charlie were constructing a square booth using scraps of lumber 
How did I miss that? <laughs> Claudia was the pinhead. Right. So a direct reference to pinhead. So now we have to worry about the Cenobites too. And I guess Claudia has taken on the visage of the Lord of Cenobites, pinhead. Oh, well, that's deeply troubling. Welcome to the BSC, Abby. <laughs> Welcome to the BSC, Abby. Here's um, a horrible metallic instrument that you must insert into your flesh for all of the time in a twisted perversion of pain and pleasure. Man, these books get so fucking dark. They get so dark as they go on. I feel like oh, we were pulling man. out of it for a little while, but now we're on book 90. Like, it kind of feels like we're in the home stretch a little bit. Yeah, Anne and Nola know they need to start wrapping things up. It ends in fire. No more Christy and the dirty diapers. It's time for, like, Abby and the eternal torment. So they just open up the fucking floodgates. They took their finger out of the dam, and now it's just, like, Cenobites, yeah. Japanese horror manga, death, death threats. threats. From Scholastic itself. The big machine that is Scholastic. Very, very interesting move by Scholastic to insert themselves literally into this. And to insert the Cenobites. Feels like that's a Wright's nightmare, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tanner, let me ask you a quick question before we get the fuck out of here. Okay. Tanner, this week, did you have a... (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) Tearful moment. Oh, we say it quietly because you're a baby. That's just what came out, man. Did. did you have a tearful moment this week, Tanner? I want to hear yours first, though. I did my burn first. I don't want to steal okay. your TM. I had a few. I had a couple. A lot of, um, a lot of sad dad death stuff in this one. Um, here's what we should do, Tanner. There are two clear tearful moments right. in this book that are the most tearful moments, and they're both related to the death of Abby and Anna's father. John. And they bookend this novel. Right. Um, so why don't you read the first of those, and I will continue with the second of those that kind of ends the novel with a little bit of catharsis. Let's just do it and be done with it, said Anna. She picked up the box and carried it to the table. This is like an ancient box, she said. Her voice trailed off. Anna? What is it? I jumped up. Anna's face was contorted. You didn't catch one of my allergies, did you? Anna shook her head. She pointed down into the box. What's in the box? (laughs) What's in the box? It wasn't what I expected at all. It was something from the past. Our past. Isn't it funny how a smell can make you remember a whole world? I froze there for a moment and saw Anna and me. We were sitting at a table, a beat-up old table, no fancy hardwood table with a butcher block top like our new kitchen table now. A birthday cake was on the table and its candles were still sending up little trails of smoke after being blown out. Paper was being torn and our mother was laughing and Anna and I were saying, Happy birthday, Daddy! It's a surprise! And I said, It smells good! And Anna said, Don't tell, Abby. Don't tell. Then Daddy held up a bottle of cologne. My favorite, he declared. Now and forever. Let me do that in a man voice instead of my squeaky boy voice. Yeah, could you do that in a man voice instead of your boy's voice then daddy held up the bottle of cologne my favorite he declared now and forever god it's like he knew the box contained our father's things after all the cleaning out and throwing away and starting a new life that our mother had been doing ever since she died there it was full of things she hadn't thrown away my eyes met anna's we both wondered if mom had forgotten about the box Then Anna reached down and pulled out our father's plaid flannel bathrobe, and the faint scent of cologne came wafting up with it more strongly. She held the bathrobe to her nose for a moment, then mutely held it out for me. I laid the soft, worn flannel against my cheek. Then I lowered it to the table and squatted next to the box. What else is in there? I asked, surprised at how steady my voice sounded. Let's see. That is all we know of Jonathan Stevenson. My favorite, now and forever. But his soul lives on, and his scent lives on. But his soul lives on, in that smell and in their memories. Tanner, later in this book, Anna and Abby 
confront their mother, Rachel, about the box. And that is my tearful moment this week, and I would like to read it to you. We've unpacked all the cartons now, except one. There's one more in the attic. Leaving Mom looking puzzled, I bounded up the stairs to the attic and returned as quickly as possible, holding the box with our father's things in it. I didn't think our mother recognized it even then. I set it down on the empty table. Anna cut the masking tape we'd sealed the box with such a short time before. Did she smell Dad's cologne before we opened the box? She might have because her face changed. For one instant, it looked soft and young and smiling, the way I remembered Mom from when we were kids, from when Dad was still alive. But then the moment passed and she drew her breath in sharply and closed her eyes and put her hand over her heart as if to protect it. It's Dad's stuff, said Anna. All kinds of things. Special things. We thought you gave away all his stuff when he... when the accident happened. Why didn't you tell us? I asked. Mom didn't move, didn't speak. Then she slowly opened her eyes and they filled with tears. Huge, silent tears that spilled over and fell down her cheeks. Oh, Mom, cried Anna. She leaned forward, but Mom held out her hand and shook her head slightly. It's, a, it's okay, she said. Her voice was hoarse and very low. She grew silent again. Mom, I said. She seemed to be coming back from far away. Then she leaned forward and began to take the things out of the box. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the fucking box? It was Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Wow! <laughs> what a twist. What a weird twist. Um, <sighs> let's get the fuck out of here. Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. Because Baby Nation, we're going to um, go record another episode that will have come out Probably before this one, Christmas special. Now we're leaving. Uh, this was a good book. I liked it a lot. Nola Thacker, Tour de Force. I'm having a Thack attack. This was, I feel like saying this book was a Nolan one makes sense to say it first. This book was yeah, a Nolan okay, one. You want to do it? I'm having a Thack, Thack attack. attack. Jack back. Let's get the fuck out of here. Baby Nation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your lovely reviews on iTunes. Please keep them coming. Recommend this podcast to a friend if you haven't yet. Yep. Yep. Tell yep, them yep, that yep, they yep. don't even need to read the books. It's all utter nonsense and whatever. Yeah. Baby Nation, this week we read a book that was called Welcome to the BSC Abbey, and boy, do I have egg on my face and am going to commit ritual suicide. Uh, <laughs> because what I said last week is what I should be saying now, which is that next week, were I still alive, we would be reading a novel called... Claudia and the First Thanksgiving. Perfect, perfect, perfect episode for early January. <laughs> What's next? A book about for... Christmas? <laughs> it so happens to be Mallory and something about Christmas. That'll be fun for mid-January. <laughs> um, and I'm excited, or I would be excited were I to be still alive to see who Tanner's new co-host is for, for those conversations. But I have disgraced myself. I have disgraced my family. I have disgraced my wife, Sarah. I have disgraced my newborn son, Cyril, who will never know a father growing up. Except for me. Because of my mistake. Except for Tanner. I will raise him in my own image. Do you have any ideas about who you're going to bring in to uh, replace this irreplaceable Babysitter's Club critic and expert? I think I might just do it on my own for a little while. Okay. See what that does to the numbers. Okay. And then um, if that doesn't work out, I'll probably get Mark Marin involved. <laughs> that seems like we'll finally get yeah. some real numbers out of that. Um, Baby Nation, we're about to leave and when we leave, yeah, you're going to hear some outro music. never look back. No, 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 no. No singing. <sighs> when we leave, you're about to hear some outro music that is different from what you are used to. What? It is a wonderful version of our theme tune, written by original baby boy Scott Lamb, and covered this week by Staten Island's own Bye Bye Empire, 
who have recorded uh, an 80s version of our outro music that is fucking fantastic. You can find Bye Bye Empire on facebook.com slash Bye Bye Empire. You can also find them on Spotify and Apple Music. So check out those bad boys, but you're going to hear a little taste of what they can do with the outro music. Baby Nation, this week, I have been and continue to be Jack Shepard. I am Tanner Greenring. And will be no longer. Oh, yeah. Jack Alexander Shepard. I will continue to be Tanner Greenring and have been Tanner Greenring and am currently Tanner Greenring. Is that all the tenses? Baby Nation. Past, present, future. Yep. We're good. We, I think we made it work. Baby Nation, round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator and demand your right to bear time, and do not forget to let daddy love you as much as I do. If you are a sovereign citizen, you are not being detained, and you are free to go. What's in the box? 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 Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, she would think the boys had just been invented. Would you dance if I asked you to dance? What I wanted to and do, would you Henry's... cry and never look back? What I wanted or to do is you die for the one you love. What I wanted to do, Hold Tanner, me was to in your arms tonight. What I wanted to do, Tanner, was to personally ask you a question. Hero, baby. I can kiss away the pain. Was to personally ask you a question and not to have you ask me a question in the form of a song. What do you want? What do you what, what do you want from me? Take my What do you want from me? That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>